0: This sermon series is called, This Is Us. Everyone say, This Is Us. This Is Us. us. And kind of what we're doing is we're taking a series to begin to talk about the vision of Radiant Church, what we believe the Lord is going to do, our vision, who we are, so you guys can understand it. Because the Bible says, write the vision and make it plain so those that see it can run with it. And a lot of times we're in churches, and we're a part of organizations, we work at places, And there is no clean, plain, clear, simple vision. So no one knows what's quite going on. So because there's not a vision, there becomes division. And division is when everybody has a vision. And when everyone has a vision, what it turns into is a mess. And in God's church, God is giving us a vision. And the vision is not nothing we created. The vision is God's will for his church. I believe every church should have one vision and I believe the vision of a church should be the great commission in the great commandment. Yeah. The great commandment is love God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself. The great commission is going to all the world, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the father, son, and Holy spirit. And I believe that every church is destined and designed to do that. I believe God gives every church their unique way about going about that. So our vision is to reach the loss, and to release the fountain. And that comes from the Great Commission. Now, our mission statement is to love God, love people, and change the world. Because we believe if you love God, you love people, and you serve people, you will change the world. So, so that's kind of our vision, that's our mission. Uh, that's what we believe God is doing through our church. And something that we want to emphasize in our church is we want to emphasize just loving our people, being a family, being a community, doing life with one another. We don't want to be a church that uses people. I know a lot of you guys have went to church, you served, and you felt used, you felt undervalued. Sometimes you felt underutilized, and you didn't feel used. Sometimes you felt abandoned and looked over. And no church is perfect, right? We're not gonna be perfect. The church you came from won't be, or the church you may go to may not be perfect, but we wanna do our best to progress and to create a church experience that changes your life in your family's life. And the beautiful thing is you guys are some of the first people that God gave us, which is awesome. We planted our church in January, church began to grow and explode, and then COVID came and just shut everything down. And now every church I believe in America is trying to get back on their feet Because COVID was a really, really big blow for churches. A lot of churches closed down because they couldn't pay bills no more. Thank God that he's provided for our church. And a lot of people are afraid to come back to church. We have 70% of our members that haven't came back to church. And that's why having this online, um, having uh, this online broadcast is so important. So in this season, we gotta understand something. This is not a season to stop, it's a season to shift. And I know COVID is going around and I know right now, like people are getting sick, everything is COVID, you sneeze, you got COVID, your eyes get watery, you got COVID, you got a cold, you got COVID, you got allergies, you have COVID, I mean, I ain't even gonna lie, I'm up here joking, but as soon as I hear a sneeze, I'm like, "Mm, mm, mm." (laughs) I'm telling you, I'm letting the devil know, not today, you ain't giving me this, you ain't getting me this winter. You ain't getting me. I'm taking, every time I go home, I'm sanitizing. I'm taking my honey. I'm taking my lemon. I'm taking my multivitamin. You know, I'm a devil, I'm you ain't getting me this winter. I ain't going. I'm getting my sleep. I'm blowing my nose before I go to sleep. Like I'm taking extra precautions. And I ain't trying to hear you say, I don't have COVID. Yes, you do. Get back. <laughs> oh, man, in all seriousness. But I'm still coming to church. I'm still coming to preach. I'm still coming to love God. And to be honest... I'm not one of those people that's that's afraid of COVID. I'm really not, because my God is good. My God has created me on purpose, for purpose, with a purpose, and I will live a long life because God has a plan for my life. And if God has a plan for your life, you will live. You will recover. You will go forth. And if you don't, you will be with Jesus. So either way it goes, you're gonna be with our King and you're gonna be with our Lord forever and forevermore. Anyways, none of that is my message, so let me get to my message. Um, So today, I want to give you a couple pillars to building the foundation of our church. A couple pillars, a couple things that we have to build and a couple of things that we have to do as we begin to build Radiant Church. So one of our first values, I jump into this, is we want to be a church that values purpose over preference. Everyone say purpose purpose over preference. In order to build a great church, in order to build a great marriage, in order to build a great country, in order to build anything great, you have to value purpose over preference. In other words, that the church will have a purpose, God has a purpose for my life, and sometimes my preference isn't God's purpose for my life. I was in Walmart a couple days ago, and my preference was to go in Walmart get this get this, Sunny D like my wife asked me, and go straight back to my truck. No detours. I didn't want to go diagonal. I had a point from the truck to the Sunny D to the line back to the truck. I don't want to see nobody, talk to nobody. I know I shouldn't be that way, but I was. I was a man on mission, and as I'm walking down this aisle, the Holy Spirit speaks to me, and he said, go invite this person to church. No, God, no, I didn't come to invite nobody. I don't want to invite nobody. I'm going home. And as I'm walking, the Spirit of God begins to speak to me. And then I start thinking, what if this is some, what if this is that person's day? What if this is the time that's going to change everything? What if this is going to change their future? What if this is the next Billy Graham down this aisle? <sighs> And then, inconveniently, I had to serve God's purpose over my preference. And I went and I invited this person to church. I don't know if they came. I don't know if you're here today. But I did what I felt like God was leading me to do. Friends, you got to realize something. God has a purpose for your life. And sometimes his purpose is bigger than your preference. And you have to be willing to yield to the purpose of God, even when you don't feel like it, even when it don't look right, even when it's uncomfortable. Because you cannot a faith-filled life in your comfort zone. God is going to pull you out of the familiar. He's going to send you to the unfamiliar. He's going to send you to a place that may not make you comfortable because God is not just here to make you happy. God is here to make you holy. And holiness requires sacrifice. Come on, somebody. Give our king a a shout of praise. So, so, I had to begin to live my life on purpose. I have to begin to live my life on purpose. And we want to be a purpose-driven church. We want to live our life on purpose. What is God calling you to do? What is God calling you to be? Where is God calling you to serve in the church? Friends, you got to understand something. You wasn't just created to serve your family. As important as it is, I will say it is the first priority after serving God is to serve your family. I'm not saying the church now. Serving God. Your life belongs to God first. God is your number one. Your family is your number two. And you would only be as good to your family as you allow God to be to you. Let me say it again. You will only be as good to your family as you allow God to be to you. You can't outserve what God is doing for you, into you, and through you. If you want to be a better husband, become a better follower of Christ. If you want to be a better businessman, become a better follower of Christ. Whatever you do to God will be multiplied in other areas of your life. Whenever someone is struggling in their marriage, in their relationships, in their friendships, they're struggling in their relationship with God. Because the relationship you have with God is a reflection of all your other relationships.
1: Men... Women of God, let me tell you something about your husband. He's a lot better when he's in church, and he's a lot better
0: when he's serving God. And what you have to do is you have to submit and humble your ego. Because sometimes, as a wife, you can feel like you're the end all be-all for your husband. And he don't want to come to church because he wants to spend more time with you. Hey, we gonna we, we spend some time with God. You can spend time with me later because I'm going to need you in the presence and the place of God so you can be a better spouse for me. Same thing with the guys. The better they are to God, the better they are to you. Because God brings you and that person together in unity. He ties you guys together. And church is huge. Church is big. And it's so much bigger than the church is about God. But here's the thing. You can't say you love God and hate his church. You can't say you love God and hate his bride.
1: Any, Any husbands, husbands in the room? What, what if, if somebody, somebody walks up to you and says, man, I love
0: you, Like, man, thank you. And I hate your wife. Like, <laughs> like we're going to fight. Like, they're, like, <laughs> I don't want to fight nobody. There's a lot of peace in my heart. If, if somebody, somebody hit, hit me, I don't think I'll, I'll do, nothing do nothing back. back. But, if but if you, you hit, hit my wife, wife, oh, my God. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> Jesus. I'm going to have to lose my salvation for a couple of moments. moments. You ain't touching my wife. Why? Because she's the other half of me, and she matters to me, and I love my wife. How much more does God love his wife? With his perfect love, and we have to love Jesus' wife. And Jesus' wife is the church. And not only do we love Jesus' wife, we have to serve Jesus' wife. We have, we have to love her. We have, have to serve her. We have, have to build her. her. If you have your Bibles, go <laughs> to Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25. 25. I'm, I'm going to start preaching here in a, a second. second. I ain't going to be long today either. Matthew 25. Matthew 25, 25,
1: Matthew 25 verse 20. 20.
0: I'll, I'll give you guys a second, a second to, get to get there. there. First, First book, book in the of the New, New Testament. Testament. Everyone, everyone with their long Bibles are there. 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 Everyone with the book, I call on to flip these pages. Matthew 25, verse 20, it says, The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, and good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said. You entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share with your master's happiness. Now, as we get ready to jump down, the next guy. The next guy, he went and it says, then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you are, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered, right? So the next thing he does, and you guys all know this, the next thing he does is this. Oh, I heard myself on the phone. I'm like, what's that? Um, that distracted me. I'm sorry. So so then he went. He didn't sow it. He didn't use it. He didn't invest it. And he, he brought back nothing, and he was called an unfaithful, wicked servant. Now, 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 this is weird. This is weird because the two guys that actually did something didn't say much. They were just like, here, here, master. But it was a guy that did nothing that had the most to say. Well, see, master, see, I see you out here working hard. I see you serving. I see you harvesting. And he over here trying to butter up his master because he didn't work. He didn't work. He didn't plow. He didn't sacrifice. He didn't move. So all he can do is try to persuade. But he was wicked, and he was not a good, faithful servant. And guess what? The master required, and the master is God, and God is talking to us. God is saying, I'm requiring you to take what I give you to another level. Don't just take it. Take it to another level. Don't just take it. Invest it. Don't just take it. Multiply it. Our God is a multiplying God. And what God wants to do is God wants you to double up. Whatever God gives you, he wants you to double up. We have a double portion God. And those faithful servants took what God gave them and they made double. I want to ask you a question. Are you doubling what God gave you? Are you doubling what God gave you? If God hands you a ministry in the church, are you doubling it? Are you taking it to the next level? Are you growing it? Are you expanding it? Are you being a good steward? Are you doubling it? Or are you taking what God has given you to the next level? Friends, I want you to know something. The wife that God gives you, you should double. She should be twice as smart. She should be twice as happy. She should be twice as good. Why? Because you made an investment in her and you doubled her. The wife I take to heaven will not be the wife that God gave me. No, 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 no. no. We're going to have a wife that's pressed down, shaking together and running over. The ministry God gave me won't be the ministry that i retire with. No, it would be double times double times double times double. Why? Because God gave you something to grow it. What are you growing? What are you expanding? What are you making better? Are you a faithful servant or are you an undiligent servant? Are you a lazy servant? Are you the kind of person that goes to God and say, God, I know you're a good God, and I know you want people saved, and I know you want to do great things in our world? Or are you the kind of person that go to God and say, God, I've taken what you've given me, I've grew it, I've expended it, I've nurtured it, and God, I want more. Because what God will do, he will take from those that don't have, that's not investing, and he will give to those that's investing. And God says, he'll give us double for our trouble. Job, Job lost everything. God doubled it. Elisha went to Elijah and said, I want a double portion of your spirit. See, that's the difference between a protege and a parasite. A protege want a double portion of your spirit. A parasite want a double portion of your stuff. I want to ask you a question. Are you a parasite or a protege to God? Do you want a double portion of God's spirit or do you want a double portion of God's stuff? God, I want a double portion of your spirit. God, I want a double portion of your anointing. God, I want to be used by you. God, I want to be a vessel. I want to be someone you can flow through. God, I want to be someone you can speak to in the middle of Walmart. And I'll stop getting sunny D so I can go share the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the grace of God and the, of God and the splendor of God. That's who I want to be. And you got to ask yourself a question. Will you live a selfish life or a purpose life? Will you live selfishly or would you live on purpose? Because let me show you something. Your life is like a vapor in eternity. It's a vapor and it's gone. And yeah, you may get the nice house. And You may have 2.5 kids. I don't know what that is. I guess that's two kids and a half. I don't want to see that half kid. And you may get the dog, and you may get the picket fence, and you may get the job that you hate eventually, even if it pays well.
1: It always comes back to hating your job, right? <laughs> oh, I hate this
0: job. I hate this place. Everywhere you go, you hate. Have you ever stopped and considered maybe you're the problem? Daddy, my sermon. Um, and you get the stuff. You get the. You get the summer vacation with the family. You even get a Christmas, winter vacation at the cabin. You know, real good. You raise the kids, they leave, they take all your money, they move out, they still ask you for money. They keep asking you for money, and when you stop giving them money, they quit calling you. My mom was like, when you needed money, I'll talk to you every day. Now you got your own money, you call me once in a month. My momma call you, I know she's watching this right now. I'm going to call you today, my man. Amen. Uh, <laughs> but the thing is, we, 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 we throw our lives into building up this idea of the American dream. And we're not living for God's kingdom, God's will, and God's purpose. Because you was created to make earth as it is in heaven. Have you ever asked why God created you? And bigger than that, have you ever asked why God created man?
1: Like, are we here to, to make iPhones? Are we here to... To 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 expand the population? Are we here
0: to are, are we here to build bigger buildings, better houses? Are we here to get on Instagram, selfie, hashtag? Hulu, Netflix, you see that no series? Oh, Netflix, they came all Sunday, you gotta go watch it. Like like what on earth are we here for? Why did God make men? Why do we exist? Let me give you God's big idea. And I'm going to the vision of the church by Nicolette's groundwork. Now I'm going to the vision of the church. Here's God's big idea. God's big idea was colonization. Let me explain what that means. God created heaven. God created earth. And God wanted his glory, his splendor, and his will to be done on heaven and on earth. That's why we sung here as in heaven. Right? So when God created heaven and when God created earth, God's will was for his kids to go and dominate and have dominion over earth under and in submission to him. We would come to earth and our sole purpose and desire would be to make earth just like heaven. Unfortunately, our society is more concerned with making earth like hell. Not like heaven, we We make make earth a lot more like hell. So God said, because of this, I am creating my ecclesia. just just a a fancy fancy word for church. And my church would go and they would be the light in the darkness. They would be the salt of the earth. They would go and do what the earth isn't doing. It was his, it was his repairing system, okay? That the church was to be like an embassy. If you go to another country, if you're in danger, the cops are chasing you, if if, if people are trying to hurt you, all you have to do is get into the American embassy. Because if you get into that embassy, the foreign land can't come. If you get into that embassy, I'm telling you, the laws of America reigns in that embassy. And the beautiful thing about that embassy is it's a piece of America a long way from home. And God said Earth should be a piece of heaven a long way from home. And because Earth didn't fulfill the mandate, the church should be a piece of heaven a long way from home. And it should be an embassy that broke and your lost and hurt people that can run inside and experience the goodness of God, the presence of God, the splendor of God, the glory of God. It should be a spot of heaven on earth. And that's what it's created to be. That's what it's called to be. So God's big idea was for his kids to make the foreign land look like the homeland. That was his purpose. He's the king, and kings would take... Foreign territory and they would make it look like their kingdom and they would have their kids rule over it. We are God's kids. The Bible says we're his ambassadors. We are ambassadors of Christ. And an ambassador's job is to go and make the foreign land look like the homeland. I know some of you guys are like, what is this? I never heard that. You have to realize something. Oh my god, I got a tag on my pants, y'all. I'm a b i am I out of it myself. My wife got what my wife didn't me these pants of friend got them for me. Anyways, back to the sermon. Thought I took all those off last night. (laughs) So, (laughs) I don't take myself too serious. It's okay. Um, So, 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 that is the will of the church. And my whole point in these last 15 minutes is to convince you that is why you're here. You're not here for a job. You're not even here for a family. You're not here for a spouse. You need to get all of that, God. God has a plan for that. But even Apostle Paul said, it's better if you don't marry. He ain't met my wife. It's better if you marry. I'm telling you. I disagree with that scripture. I believe everything in the Bible but that. He ain't met my wife, Apostle. <laughs> I know some of the fellas said, amen. <laughs> um, anyways, God created us for a purpose. He created us for a plan. Friends, we got to get serious about the things of God, which leads me to one of our radiant values. We ain't playing because people are dying. We ain't playing because people are dying. We ain't playing because people are dying. Why do we say we ain't playing instead of we isn't playing or something else? We said we ain't because ain't is more anointed than ain't isn't, okay? We ain't playing. We ain't playing, too many churches are playing, too many Christians are playing, too many people are playing. It is eternity on the line, and we have to go depopulate hell and populate heaven with God's children. We ain't playing. Come on, somebody. If you believe we ain't playing, give God a shout of praise. We ain't playing. This is personal. And this is serious. And let me tell you why we ain't playing. Because the devil ain't playing. The devil is serious. The devil is personal. He's trying to take you out, take your family out, take your kids out. Some of you guys barely made it into this earth because the devil ain't playing. And what you have to do is say, devil, you wanted to stop me. You wanted to break me. But you're not going to stop me. This is personal. And this is serious. Why? Because I could have been aborted. The kid before me was aborted. I could have not been here. And God allowed me me to be on earth. And if God put breath in my lungs, I'm going to praise him. I'm going to preach this gospel. I'm going to depopulate hell. I'm going to go into the dark places. I'm going to go into the lost places. I'm going to do what God has called me to do. Come on, somebody, if you ain't playing, give our king a shout of pray. I ain't playing because God's not playing. Jesus wasn't playing. It didn't say the convenience of the Christ. No, it was the passion of the Christ. He didn't die conveniently. He died passionately. He took the crown of thorns in his head passionately. He took the cattle nine tails on his back passionately. He hung on the cross passionately, and he uttered not a word. Why? I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to make excuses. This ain't casual. This is personal. I am dying so my children can live. And I'm telling you, Radiant Church, we ain't playing. We are going into this city. We're going into the enemy's camp. We're taking back everything he stole from us. And the biggest thing he stole from us was souls. Those people don't belong to you. These are God's children. We're not going to be fighting over politics. We're not going to be fighting over different situations. We're not going to be fighting over the color of our skin. No, 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 no. We're fighting for the kingdom of heaven because this is so much bigger. This is bigger than red and blue. This is about the kingdom of God. Penetrating the earth, and what happens is most of us is more loyal to an elephant and a donkey. Yeah, I'ma say it, than we are a king. Because guess what? The president will be in office four to eight years, maybe. But Jesus will be on His throne forever and forevermore. He was on His throne yesterday. He'll be on His throne today, and you better believe He's gonna be on His throne tomorrow. Jesus has seated us in heavenly places. And I'm telling you something. I don't want America to get bad. I want it to look good, and I want it to reflect the power and the presence and the glory and the values of God. But I'm not just a citizen of America. I'm a citizen of the kingdom. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. I'm a citizen of the kingdom of God. And when America gets bad, that don't mean my life has to get bad because I'm of a higher kingdom that Donald Trump or Joe Biden don't decide my future. No, no, Jesus, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords decides my future. And Let me tell you something, I vote for Jesus in 2020, 2021, 2030, 2080, and 2090. Why? Because he is my king. And he's the only person that will lead and rule with justice, righteousness, and mercy, always. Now I'm not diminishing voting, you need to vote. But my question is, how are you voting? Are you voting according to your preference or the purpose of God?
1: Huh? Huh? Are you voting with what
0: makes you comfortable? Are you even voting with what sides with your race? Or are you voting with what sides with your king? You know what I'm saying? Because I don't care. I care about my race. I care about my God. Because guess what? Black can't get nobody out of hell. Neither can white. It's race. And the only person that can get a man out of hell is Jesus. The only person that can change a life is Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can take a black soul dip it in red, red blood and it comes out white as snow. Only Jesus can turn it around. Only Jesus can defeat the devil. Only Jesus can preserve America. Jesus is the reason why America is the way it is. And if he wants it to stay this way it will and it won't matter who's in office because there's an office that's higher than all the office and that is the office at the right hand of the father And Jesus ain't at the right hand of the Father being lazy. No, the Bible says he's forever making intercession for us. He's up there interceding on our behalf. Father, 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 forgive them for they know not what they do. Father, bless them. Father, restore them. Father, use them. He is interceding on our behalf. So you don't have to be afraid. I'm not afraid about the condition of America. Why? I'm of another country. The Bible says we are just pilgrims passing through this land. I'm not from here, I'm from heaven. I didn't come from my parents, I came through my parents. I came from God. How I got here was how all of you guys got here. That God blew your spirit down from heaven. You're not from here, you're a pilgrim. This is a foreign land. And I'm not saying don't try to make it better, but you need to stand for your homeland, and that's heaven.
1: So friends, we have a bigger assignment.
0: I can't get caught up in Democrat and Republican. No, no, no. I am a kingdom and back. I have a job and and, and I'm not just a voter in the kingdom. I'm a, I'm a participator in the kingdom I work for. I don't just cast a vote. No, no, no. I go out and I do the great commission for the, for the government I'm a part of. So Jesus didn't care much about the politics. Jesus said, Jesus said, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Obey the law of the land. But then Jesus said, give to God what belongs to God. And and how did he distinguish it? Jesus said, Jesus said in the Bible, in the gospel, Jesus said, what's on the coin? Caesar's face was on the coin. He said, well, give to Caesar what's Caesar's. But he was implying what image is on you. See, Caesar's image is on the coin, but my image is on you. Give Caesar the coin, but give the Lord you. God wants you, friends. He wants you. He wants you to give him your life. He wants you to render him your life so he can do something through you for the world. It's not his will that any should perish. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. The word, the world, means cosmos, all the systems of the world. Jesus said, go into the entertainment system, the political system, the business system, the school system. Go into the law system. Go into all the systems and make disciples. He didn't say go into the systems and just change them. I'm sure as we make disciples, that will be the byproduct. But he didn't say go into the world and change the systems. No, no, there's something we have that's bigger than America. It's changing the hearts and the lives of people. Because let me, let, let me inform you on something, friends. Do you know, since creation, every kingdom, every region, every business, every cathedral, every historical figure, Everything that's ever been built, even Rome, the greatest empire, so powerful. Everything that's ever been built, failed, except for the church. We are the only entity that you can go back 2,000 years in the past, and we're still standing. Everything else crumbled. Rome crumbled. All the kingdoms of the world, they all crumble. The leadership crumbled. The the, the monarchy systems crumbled. The nobles crumbled. Everything failed except for the church. It's the only thing that prevailed. And let me tell you why. It's because Jesus said, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. The gates of hell will always prevail when the entity isn't serving hell any longer. Hell ain't loyal. Hell ain't loyal. Hell ain't loyal. As soon as hell has somebody else that can do what you're doing faster, hell will cut you off. That's why you don't want to be blessed by hell. That's why you don't want to sell your soul. You see these music artists, they sell their soul out to the devil and as soon as he finds someone's a little bit better and talented and a little more trendy, he cut them off. Now they're depressed and they're taking drugs because hell ain't loyal. Heaven is loyal. What kind of sermon am I preaching up here? <laughs> hell ain't loyal. Y'all don't quote me this week, please. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, what's well, Pastor preaching about? his preaching about hell ain't loyal. You know what I'm saying? He's talking about heaven loyal, but hell ain't loyal. You know what I'm talking about? Like, please don't quote me. <laughs> I'm ashamed. <laughs> um, but real talk: hell ain't loyal, but heaven is. So we need to give our allegiance and our loyalty and our heart and our zeal to heaven are you I didn't even get to the values God just had a whole different plan with this message we'll get to that next week (laughs) but hell hell you have to understand something about hell hell is selfish and is designed to only build up its own agenda but the will and the purpose of God is selfless it's selfless. That Jesus is the king of kings in the Lord of lords. And when he came to the earth, he didn't come to be served. He came to serve. Do you know that our God washed feet? Of men. If you ever been to a football locker room, you would understand how scary that is. And he washed their feet. Because he was a servant. He was a humble king. And now you look up in the world and you see ministers and you see pastors and you see people in the church all puffed up. If our king bowed and washed feet, how much more should we bow to serve lost and broken people? How much more humble should we be? We should no, no servant is greater than their master. We should be the most humble people we should serve. I'm telling you, friends, we should go and we should redefine what people think about the church. At your job, do they view the kingdom of God and the bride of Christ better because you're there, or do you make them say, yeah, "These church people, these church people"? And one of the one of the temptations you'll deal with in society is to conform. Is to conform because many of us cave under pressure. And when you get around the peer pressure and everyone's acting up and talking crazy and acting crazy, you want to conform because you don't want to look like one of those self-righteous Christians, right? And then you start saying stuff you wouldn't say. You start laughing at jokes you wouldn't laugh at. And what happens is you lose your influence. And you have to realize God sent you on the job as a secret agent. That whatever you do, you are a double agent. You, You go to do your job and then you go to make disciples. You're double agent and you can't lose your influence trying to fit in. No, no, no. The Bible says you are the salt of the earth and you're the light of the world. Let me tell you something about light. Light has no regard for darkness. That if it's dark, you turn on that light and it's light. Like light just shows up and moves out the darkness just quickly. And then it says we're the salt of the earth. Salt does two things. The first thing salt does is it preserves. It preserves, which means that you should be preserving the environments you're in. You should be preserving your family, your job. It preserves. And the second thing salt does is it influences. Have you ever had some fries without no salt? I mean, I don't care how good they look, how soft they are. I mean, they taste like water. I mean, like, what in the world is this? And then you just get a little pack of salt. You begin to dab it on the fry. All kind of stuff start happening. I don't even see the salt, but I can taste the effects of the salt. I'm telling you as a believer, as a follower of Christ, they might not even see you, but they should experience God. They should taste and see that God is good because the salt showed up. And when salt shows up, it's gonna change some stuff. You better go to Big Mama's kitchen. I'm telling you, salt gonna change some things. It's gonna taste different because of salt. Now I got a funny joke about salt. Um we have a guy in our church, his name's Dan, he runs the sound. And um and you know, like, you know, we do i I'm very multicultural, and this may not be a good joke, but I'm saying it anyway. And, you know, like, when you go eat, you know, with the black folks, you know, it's a little more salt. Crazy. That's a little bit more. And nothing not crazy? And you eat with your white friends, you know, not all of them. You got Matt Hills. he's from Louisiana, so he's salt heavy, right? But most of the time, you know, it's a little less salt on the chicken. You know, nothing crazy, right? I went to Dan House. Man, dude cooked like a straight-up grandma. I mean, he got salt on the burger. He got the lorry salt with the red top. I'm like, what? Who, who done taught this man how to cook? Like, I'm telling you, like, dude can straight up go to a black barbecue with the brown sandals and, like, and manhandle the grill. Like, burger's so good, can't even eat it with your shoes on. I'm like, now if you know, Dan, Dan is the whitest dude you will ever meet. I'm like, Dan, where'd you get that salt from? where did you get that salt? If I was a cashier, Dan can't go with that salt. I'm like, sir, are you sure this is the right product? And Dan got that salt, but not only did he have that salt, Dan knew how to work with that salt. He'll flip that burger, he'll work that salt. i am telling you, and that salt will change the trajectory of his food. I want you to know something. You are a child of God, you are a daughter of God, you are a kid of God, and you got some salt. And you got to know how to work with your salt. At your job, you got to know how to use your salt. You gotta know how to influence. The Bible says Paul was so persuasive. A gripper almost became a Christian. You got salt. I want you to know something I am armed and I'm dangerous. And I got salt. And I don't have salt of this earth. I got salt of heaven. And I'm gonna take my salt to my job. I'm gonna take it to my family. I'm gonna take it to the world. And I'm gonna change the world for God. I am the salt of the earth. And the earth is tasting stale right now. And there supposed to be 2.3 billion salt canisters walking around. The world is looking dark right now. And there are supposed to be 2.3 billion lights walking around. But the problem is, the church loses its light and its salt, and it conforms to the world. But Romans said, do not be conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to renew your mind. You're not here to conform. You're here to transform. So as a church, let's go into the world let's not conform, let's transform. I believe God's going to use Radiant Church to transform this city. And I know some of you guys are looking like, well, how are we going to do that through you? <laughs> we was launching a church. Funny story, and I'm going to close after this. See if I can come on, I'm going to close. Funny story. Um, I, was, I was meeting with someone as we was planting the church. And, um, And this person is actually in the room, but it's it's not like a real bad story because we talked through this. But this person was like, do you have the ability? They're just asking, right? They just want to know. Nothing crazy. They're in the building. They said, do you have the ability to do these things that God has envisioned for you? I said, not even close. Like, like, like Like zero out of 100 do I have the ability. I said, but we do. We do. We do. This was never about me. This is about us. And he does. And then and, and that was like, you're right. And then they came to the church. They're here. Um. So maybe you're looking around reading your church. And you're like, uh, I don't know about the next generation. Kids or this or that or this or that. And it's like, you're the solution to that. That's why you're here. I don't know how to run a successful Christmas. I wasn't called to do it. I was called to preach the gospel. And I was called to release the found, to put people in place, to trust people, to empower people, to delegate. You are what God is going to use. God's going to use you as a leader. God's going to use you to reach the city. God's going to use us collectively. All of us is better than one of us. God is going to use you. And my job as a leader is just to make sure you have the voice, the place, the
1: authority, and the resources to do what God has called you to do. And there's something I feel like I'm
0: really good at, and it's that. I feel like I'm good at that because I served at church, at the church, at the church. I was underlooked, underutilized. And then I wasn't, but I saw other people that were, and I wanted to do something about it, but I wasn't in a position to. And here in church, my job is just to make sure that God can flow through you and use you and to give you room to be who God has called you to be. That's my job, and I look forward to doing that. I look forward to partnering with you. I look forward to partnering with God and partnering with heaven. And I believe if we all come together, y'all, we can make a difference. We can depopulate hell. We can be the salt of our city. We can be the light of our city. We can make a difference. But it's going to require all of us. That when Jesus changed the world, he didn't have a lot, but he had 12 sought of disciples that would give their life for the mission. My, life, my question is would you give your life for the mission of the church? How far would you go? How much would you serve? How much would you put in? God is wanting to use us to do something supernatural, but it's going to require all of us to lean in and to push in.